0: If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I am going all-in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to IamJoelBrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our next episode of Addicted to Success. You're here today with Joel Brown, your founder and host. And I also have Mr. Brian Ford here. Brian, we have known each other for, wow, at least five years now and know i actually listened to some of brian's episodes a long time ago and he was listening to mine and uh, we actually ended up working together this is a few years back and i found out that brian to this date has reached over 14 million downloads on his podcast called self-improvement daily this is really where you get your two minutes every day of personal development advice i mean look if anybody knows what it takes to be consistent, to be focused, to be disciplined. It's Brian. Brian doesn't just run a podcast. He also uh, runs a for-purpose organization. It's called For Purpose, and it's all about social impact. Uh, Brian is also linked up with us on our Orbis platform as well, and uh, you'll be able to learn how to be able to contribute more in life. But today, we're going to really look at how do we really raise our standards and really just show up with more consistency, more focus in a highly distracted world. So Brian, thanks for being here today, mate. I'm excited to dive in with you. And I jumped on your podcast. I'm happy now that you're on the Addicted to Success podcast with
1: us. Yeah, brother. I'm honored. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to jam.
0: Yeah, well, look, let's dive in, man, because I know you got 14 million downloads on your podcast and that's not an easy feat. I know it for sure. You've got at least three times more downloads than the Addicted to Success podcast, and we put a hell of a lot of work in. So maybe for the listeners that are listening right now, there's something that you may be able to share that would really just shed some light on what it takes to even get those kind of numbers. What would it be if you were to give two to three piece piece points of advice on how do we get this this high number in reach and, and big number of community right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've already used the word, but it's consistency, right? And I think it's a combination of consistency, which is just doing the right things over and over again, you know, expecting the result at the end of the day. You know, you can talk about the compound effect, which is coined by Darren Hardy, one of my favorite books, probably my personal development Bible, if I were to give it one. Um, You know, that's one of the pieces, of course, is the consistent piece. But then also it's resilience and just not giving up, especially when it comes to growing an audience or having a message. There are so many people that get started, they're inspired. They start kind of getting into the flow of it, but then they don't get the results that they were expecting. The juice isn't worth the squeeze They're not getting the outcomes. And then before they even have the time to really let their message mature and for their audience to find them, they end up giving up and they're doing a disservice to a lot of people because, you know, as we know, it takes so much time for anything to build. You really need to invest in that early phase to get the hockey stick growth. And the more that you can be consistent and resistant to self sabotage and internal forces as well as external pressures of people saying that you shouldn't be doing this it's not worth your time whatever it is as long as you hold true to your north star and stay consistent and resilient then you know it, there's there's no secret sauce right it's just putting in the work and showing up as much as you can so that's that's all I've done and uh, I'm grateful that people have responded and found value in my message but um still just the beginning this is this is early days
0: all right I feel like it's easier said than done it's like just be consistent right So what happens if somebody's facing failure? What do we do then? What if we just hit rock bottom? Maybe we've made a terrible decision. Maybe we feel like we've set ourselves back. How do we overcome failure?
1: Yeah, well, it's important to talk about failure when uh, you talk about addicted to success, right? There's a contrast and there is no success without failure. So it's really interesting. And uh, so when when you think about failure, I think a lot of people look at it through the lens of man, something went wrong and it's irreconcilable. And I just went off path. And it kind of ends up being this more overwhelming realization of how am I meant to get back on track, right? There's kind of this Delta between where you're at and where you wanted to be. And that's where um, people fail because they gave up because they don't feel like they can overcome that Delta. And the reality is the reason people fail is because they had some small deviation from the path. And if that goes uncorrected, it's another deviation and uncorrected again, it's another deviation before you know it. If you're going down this road and it's pointing the wrong direction, you're going to be off path. So really the way to nip failure in the bud is to take a few steps back, figure out where those small breaks in integrity or alignment happened. And then what you need to do is implement a plan to stay true to your North star, stay true to your intention so that you begin making progress in the right direction. That's why people fail. It's because not because something major went wrong and it was out of their control. It's because they did small things that went uncorrected. And over time, you ended up manifesting the wrong thing. The compound effect that I was describing earlier and how consistency is the the byproduct of incredible uh, growth, or sorry, that consistency is the uh, mechanism of incredible growth. That happens for both positive things and negative things. Either way, the compound effect is in effect. It's just a matter of if you're using it for you or if it's going against you. So that's that's really what I've discovered about failure is that yes, you can kind of find yourself in this failure point at the end, but it wasn't just one thing that happened in one false swoop, all of a sudden you failed. It's that there were small things that built up over time. And you can use that as a lesson for the next time so that you can be more aware of when those little deviations are happening so you can correct them in real time to get back on track.
0: Mm, I like this. There's a little analogy that's painted in uh, psychotherapy. It's something I studied a little while back. Imagine you're driving down a freeway or a highway, right? And I'm sure everyone's done this. You missed the turn right? You take this turn and it's like, Oh no, I've missed the turn. And you realize that you, what are you going to do? You got to get back on the highway to keep going. And a lot of times people are pulling off to the side and they don't even know that they actually haven't gone backwards. You haven't gone back to where you were. You've just detoured a little bit, as you say, you know, and, uh, and sometimes people do this in relationships, that person that they're with pulls off to the side and detours. And then that other person may wait and wait and wait, but that person may never come back because they don't realize there's a way to come back to it and to continue to grow forward. And at some point, that person that's waiting on the side of the freeway is like, "Well, this person's not coming now. I need to keep moving forward." Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, interesting stuff, man. So, so let me add one piece to that because there, yeah. it's it's one thing to say, "Hey, correct it," you know, in real time, but it's another thing to do it right. And that's where I've actually. Yeah been able to implement and teach with my coaching clients in my program, stuff like that, um, a really easy but effective framework, which is called contingency planning. And what you do is when you set a goal, or if you're committed to doing something that is you know of desire, what you can do is in advance, predict the little things that might go wrong. You know, For example, let's say that you want to read more often, right? Well, you can think about, okay, if I want to read more often, then I'm going to need a book and I'm going to need time. And I'm going to, you know, like there's all these different pieces, maybe some quiet. And that's where if you implement contingency plans, you can actually forecast what things might go wrong. That'll lead to failure. For example, if you're out of town and you forget to bring a book with you, then you think of, okay, if I'm out of town and I don't have a book to read, then what do you do? Right. You can watch a Ted talk. You can listen to a podcast. You can pursue other forms of education. And in having a contingency plan in place, then you actually get to at least fulfill the original intention that you had so that you don't fall too far off. And the important piece with that is it actually allows you to then keep momentum because you've acknowledged that something didn't go according to plan. And instead of that thing just going uncorrected, unnoticed, and unacknowledged where it starts to spiral and compound in the wrong way, the fact that you can nip it in the bud, that you can acknowledge it and bring it back on path is a huge step toward remaining compliant with the original intention. So that's just one little hack I wanted to share that I teach. And, and kind of the, the core format of it is it's an if-then statement. If this happens, then I will do that. And in designing your goal, you can think of what those ifs might be, what those predictable disruptions, as I call them, are. And then you can come upon your response. That is the then part of it. How do you want to respond to make up for the error or to to correct so that you're back on track? So there's there's more technical pieces to that, but... That's the real mechanism of fixing failure. You know, it's great to talk about it, but how do you actually uh, work against it? And that's one thing that I found to be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I love this. That's a great share. And maybe half the listeners are not going to be okay with this, but that's okay. Let's rattle the cage a bit. <laughs> but uh, Donald Trump actually uh, spoke about this a couple decades ago. I remember reading this, this old book and I, I was at an event and he was speaking there. And this was maybe 10 years back when I heard him say this, but he said that one of his greatest moves is he always has a contingency plan. When you're building big billion dollar buildings, you've got to have a contingency plan, right? And also when you think about it, right? Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to Addicted to Success too. If you have contingency plans for your businesses that you're building, there's a higher chance you would be able to enroll investors to want to come and invest in your business too. Because if you're not prepared just in case, then- it's too risky for other people to invest in you, let alone your own self. So I love this, Brian. This is really cool. All right. So what's the vision that pulls you forward? Because you stay consistent. And I know that you can either have the pain of the past or the pleasure of the future. If you could really paint a picture of what's that thing that pushes you and what's that thing that pulls you so that maybe somebody that's listening here today goes, oh, now I get how I can use these two drivers and pullers to be able to keep me in consistency too.
1: Yeah, man, we're going a direction that you probably didn't expect with this, but, um, the way that I'd respond to that is its identity and what really pulls me forward to be consistent is the core identity that I've cultivated over my entire lifetime. Something I don't like sharing about, but I'll share with you is, uh, like I have core discipline practices that help me to identify as a disciplined person and in having those core practices in place. Anytime I encounter sometime when my mind says go, I can get myself to go Because I've been able to just grow that muscle so much over time. And the core discipline practice I have, which is insane to say out loud, but it's true, is since the age of I say 13, I've done at least 50 push-ups before bed. And I'm now 29 years old. So call it 16 years, over 95% of the nights, which leads to more than you must reject. you yeah, I mean, too. but, but, th- and that's, yeah, I am fit. Yes. But that's, but that's because the consistency has created results, right? It's no mistake. But like the reason I say that is because no matter how tired I am, no matter how hungry I am, no matter how drunk I am, let's be honest. Like when it's time to go to bed, my mind will not go to bed unless I do my push-ups. It It is more comfortable for me to do the uncomfortable thing. Cause I've trained that into myself. So that is my North star when it comes to building my podcast and being consistent with this is I know no other way. It's who I am like failure and being inconsistent is too painful for me not to do it. Right. So that's, that's really what I've been able to leverage and build. And, uh, there's some really cool, simple ways to be able to implement that for yourself. But, um, but I mean, that's my answer, man. It really comes down to like, I just am disciplined. It is my identity. It's, it's who I am at my core. And it expresses itself in all these different ways. And I'm grateful for it because I've been really intentional about how I built that.
0: Yeah. I love this, man. How many pushups
1: is that a year? Have you calculated a month or a year? It's funny. It's kind of like the podcast for the first two years. I didn't look at the numbers. I had no idea how many downloads I was getting or anything. I was just doing it to be consistent, right? I was doing it for the process rather than the destination. So I think I calculated because someone asked, it's been over 300,000 pushups in the 16 wow. years or something. Yeah. Something like that. I don't really know the math, but it's a lot, but that's the thing is 50 times 365. You know, someone can do the math. That's listening to this. Um, it's yeah, it's a lot. And if you were, and that's kind of it too, when it comes to goal setting, it's like, let's call it 150,000. This is totally bad math. Let's call it like 150,000 pushups in a year. If you were to set a goal to do 150,000 thousand push-ups, and just to think about that, it would be so daunting being like, yeah, yeah right. No way. Are you kidding me? That's impossible. then you do the math. You're like, no, it's 50 a day. I can do 50 a day. And you chunk it down. Then it becomes more doable. And that's anything, right? Like the second that you set this ambitious goal, if you just kind of really chunk it down and step back to, okay, what do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? What do I do the next day? What does it look like over a week? What does it look like over a month? What does it look like over a quarter? And then you'll see your progress, not only in the data but also in the results, right? So there's there's kind of that extra advantage that when you're doing something that you're excited about and you're being disciplined to it, then it kind of creates that that painted picture of like, oh, I see what the destination does look like, and that pulls you forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of things, but it happens one at a time, and that's the only way that you can really attack it.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had James Clear on your podcast?
1: No, but I've read his book more times than I care to share.
0: <laughs> he, he's so dope, man. So dope. Yeah. You got to do those uncomfortable things, right? James and I were talking about this and um, you doing your push-ups is not the easiest thing to do. It's it, it requires a lot of your muscle groups, right? So you pay attention to it. And uh, I know some people will have like a cold shower in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny I spoke to somebody recently and they're like yeah I'm disciplined I brush my teeth every morning I'm like bro (laughs) that (laughs) that should just be like a requirement for humans in general (laughs) so you need to make it a bit uncomfortable Um, one of the things that I used to do too was I used to make my bed every day because when I walked out of the room I I knew that the if I lack discipline that leaks into my identity so it's really cool that you do the push-ups I might have to challenge myself man there's there's a lot of benefits to that too you know you get get pretty jacked and uh, you get focused (laughs) and you get consistent. Maybe I'll get some more podcast episodes. uh, There you go. Downloads if I do it. (laughs) Yeah. I love this, man. It's a cool formula. So you've interviewed a lot of really awesome people as well on your podcast. Was there any like one or two real big standout um, insights that you and I, and I want to, I want to ask like, that you learned, but also not just learned, but actually integrated into your life that you went, wow, that was a game changer so that you can pass this wisdom on and this integration on to others to hopefully inspiring them to make a
1: change. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, makes you reflect. Um, I, I'd say one of the interviews that I'm most proud of and I found the most benefit in, because I, I used to do interviews. I haven't in a long time um, and I loved when I did it. Uh, But one of those, um, interviews that I thought was just incredible was with this guy named Jim Fortin, who is a subconscious transformation expert. And if we're talking about kind of, man, this, yeah, this blows up into a lot. So we'll see how long I go with this. But, uh, if, if we're talking about consistency, right. A lot of this kind of consistency that we're talking about, it actually has byproducts on a subconscious level. And that's where Jim really kind of breaks down the relationship that I've kind of ran with a little bit uh, between your identity and your behavior, right? So if you, and I've been talking about identity, like identity is the gold standard. Even James Clear talks about it in Atomic Habits, right? Like you want to be the type of person that does this thing, because then that becomes your defaulted nature. And I'll explain how that happens because consistency is the mechanism of your identity transformation. It is your behavior that does that. And the reason is, is you have a certain identity, you have certain beliefs, value systems, the way you see yourself in the world, right? And that identity then creates these unconscious behaviors that you do in your environment, right? So, and that's where you're talking about driving down the road and you forget the exit, right? You just act on autopilot sometimes. And that's because your unconscious mind has the wheel, like you're on your unconscious mind has taken over, but what happens is there's actually a reciprocal feedback loop. It's not only that your identity then informs what your behavior is. But then your behavior actually confirms or validates the identity that originated it. So every time, and I'll actually get into a personal example here. Maybe this will contextualize it. So I used to have the identity as a kid that I was um, not good at reading, that I had reading comprehension issues. I was actually you know, in special classes when I was a kid for reading comprehension only, right? So it was just a weakness of mine. But that weakness became a story and a script and identity of, oh, I'm not a good reader. I'm not a good reader. And then after college and my personal development journey, I did not start with reading because I was like, oh, I'm not a good reader. Why would I do that? Right. So my, unco- my unconscious identity of not being a good reader then prevented me from reading as an activity. Right. So that's how your identity informs your behavior. But then what would happen is I would start avoiding opportunities to read. And then I would strengthen that identity that I'm not a good reader every time that I avoided reading. Right. So it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. And a lot of people grow really deep roots into these negative habits that are really hard to to override because, you know, this process is happening unconsciously. But then once you understand that identity behavior feedback loop and that your behavior can influence your identity, you have a real opportunity for transformation because the second that you pick a conscious identity, something that you want to do that, you know, is for your best. It requires a little willpower and effort, but once you get it done, it actually starts to seed a new identity within you. So what I did, and this is what I teach this is how your consistent behavior changes your identity. What I did was like, I don't choose that identity anymore. I want to be the type of person that is a lifelong learner that reads more than the rest of my social circle. Like that's who I want to be. That is my identity now. And I thought through, okay, well, how do I create that identity? And I said, well, the type of person that is a lifelong learner and you know is a prolific reader, they would read every single day. So it's like, cool. That means I've got to read every single day. And I structured my environment and expectations to read only two pages every single day to keep it really small and really low. And it's not even enough to actually learn something, but it is flexing that muscle that ends up really growing an incredible habit. So what I did was I designed my environment and I did my, if then contingencies, and I set myself up for success that I could be consistent day after day, after day, after day. And what happens is when you do a certain behavior that doesn't align with a certain identity, you create cognitive dissonance in the mind, right? Cognitive dissonance is this tension between what you were expecting to do, what you believe, what you thought about the world versus what you did, right? So, and with that tension, your brain just so desperately seeks to reconcile it. And it takes two different paths. One is through self-sabotage, which I was describing earlier, which is how you can actually prevent that behavior from happening in the first place, because without that new behavior, then your old identity isn't being violated. So your subconscious mind literally resists you doing the new behavior. It comes in the form of procrastination, limiting beliefs, irrational thinking, overgeneralization, like all of these favorite, you know, self-sabotaging mechanisms, right? But if those attempts fail and you're consistent despite your unconscious's best efforts to slow you down, then that forces your identity to upgrade because it needs to relieve the tension somehow, And if the behavior can't change, then the identity must. And that's where through consistent action, through self-sabotage, through these efforts, my reading consistently every single day was informing my subconscious mind. Oh, you must be the type of person that's a lifelong learner. You must be a reader because look, you're doing it every single day. And eventually that identity became the predominant identity. And those neural pathways started to run deeper and deeper and deeper because I was flexing them consistently with the behavior of reading until now where I'm at the point where I read at least a hundred pages a week. And I do so unconsciously kind of like my push-ups. I cannot sleep until I've read at least two pages because that has become who I am. And it's led to all of these benefits that I've been able to share on the podcast and create an audience around because I've been able to become this core learner. So that was a really long explanation to your question, which is what did Jim Fortin teach me? And he taught me that there is this connection between your identity and your behavior and that your identity truly runs the show of what you do and how you exist in your life. But there is a way for you to update your identity. And that's kind of what I hoped to uh, explain somewhat clearly there. Um, but it's it's really fascinating. And with intentionality, it's doable. You can reverse engineer whoever you want to be. You just need to figure out what behaviors are consistent with being in that person and then consistently doing those behaviors. So anyway, I'll I'll get off my pedestal. Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, no, no. You did really well, man. You did really well to break that down. I was following every word and I love this. I know that your values and your beliefs drive every decision that you make. That's what Tony Robbins says, right? And then James Clear says your beliefs and your habits shape your identity. Okay. Values and beliefs, decisions you make, beliefs and habits your identity and then what happens too this is in my experience with really just fulfilling my visions over the years over the last almost decade and a half is my self-concept is so important i even know i don't know if you've ever done this before where you've maybe felt a little bit disempowered or you you're kind of insecure one day but then you decide to flick the switch it's like all right i'm gonna look at myself as like what are the things that i am good at what have i done well lately what could i pat my back self in the back for and then you start to try you know like circle your mind around that and then you actually start to notice you get a pep in your step right and it's funny cuz the way that society is structured and also what we pay attention to it can start to drag us down into a lower frequency in a low way of viewing who we are and thinking we're not enough and we're not you know as good as the next person So the identity piece, man, I'm really happy that you talked about that because a lot of people either they just don't talk about it or they don't know how to talk about it. So you broke this down really well. I want to understand a bit more about reverse engineering. Is that similar to like modeling after people that you uh, would say are you know doing the thing that you'd like to achieve or is it a bit different
1: to that? Yeah. So I encourage people to think about two different sources of reverse engineering the identity, right? Cause you have to, you have to figure out who you want to be first, right? You need to be really clear on that identity. That's the first step. And then you can reverse engineer that once it's been d- defined, right? So that's the first step is know who you want to be. Then the second step is okay. Take action in ways that are consistent with that. So the two sources of it are first, like you mentioned modeling, right? So people that you respect, admire that you look up to people who are succeeding in that area already. What are the things that they're doing on a consistent basis? Observe them, figure it out because success leaves clues, right? So you can just kind of figure out what they're doing and you can implement it for yourself. That is the first source. The second source, which is uh, probably actually stronger if you can tap into it, is stepping back into a time when you were successful in that area, right? Let's say someone who has a lot of weight issues or fitness issues. You know, when was the time that you were feeling at your best, that you were prioritizing your health? you know, at its peak, put yourself in the shoes of who you used to be and what you were doing in that phase. Cause then that will inform what you can start doing again. That really worked for you. Right. So that's, that's when you talk about reverse engineering it, you can only reverse engineer something that has a defined end goal. So you need the identity in place. And then from there, uh, what I do from an exercise standpoint, and again, this is what I teach and coach on is determine three things that th- that type of person does on a consistent basis, whatever that identity is. You know, and I actually did this for myself, just to make it concrete. Um, so i'm I'm working on my money mindset right now. And one of the things that um, I identified was, oh, wow, I actually have a negligence and avoidance of money. I don't want to be like that. I'm the type of person that uses money as a tool for good. That's the identity I wanted to hold, right? So I got clearly defined on that. I'm the type of person that uses money as a tool for good, which means I need to make money, right? Because it's a tool for good, and that's my mission is I want to do as much good as I can. So then I thought through, okay, who and i haven't had you know a real strong place in this myself yet so i had to get inspiration from other people and i was like okay so who can i look up to and what are their financial habits that i might be able to think about right so using a financial tool for good you know involves investment so it's oh this type of person would check their investments every single day right another person that uses their money for good is oh they're really generous you know they contribute a lot they're charitable right so that would be another behaviors maybe i'm you know i'm donating every week or something and then the last one which i chose was Oh, some people have really detailed forecasting routines where they know how much money they're going to have at what time, because then they can really use that as a catalyst to make more money to do more good. And I realized that was where I was more deficient, right? In being able to build that forecasting and like that consistent mechanism for me to check in on my finances. But so that was the process, right? As I thought through, you know, who are people that are succeeding in this? What are the types of things they do on a daily basis? Which one of these that I've brainstormed then is the most uncomfortable and likely the highest leverage point of, uh, contribution or growth within that area. And then let me commit to doing that. Um, and that's, and I'm going to kind of go into the last topic too, which is it's great to know what to do, right? Like it's great for me to determine, okay, I need a forecasting plan. Great. Why didn't my identity change? Right. And we all know that people are lazy. People, Um, you know, there's a lot of friction in life and knowing what to do is not enough. If everyone was disciplined to everything, then we wouldn't have any problems. We'd always be doing what we want every single time. And that's where going back to if then statements and some of the, you know, actual pieces that makes consistency possible, you need to build out life systems and environments that support your successful behavior taking. So if the identity is the who and who you want to be, the behavior is the what, what you're going to be doing. The systems are the how. This is how you actually grow that identity. And that's by structuring your physical environment, your social environment, your emotional environment in certain ways. It's setting realistic goals and expectations, clear action plans, having these contingency plans in place, clear measurement of your success um, through data tracking and like actually having a a way to figure out if you're performing as you wanted to. All of these are systems that will help you bring your attention to the consistency that you hope to have in a certain behavior, which then leads to cultivating that ultimate identity you're hoping to build. So um, so yeah, that's, that's really the process is you know, you've got to reverse engineer the right actions and then build around those right actions so that you actually do them. Um, but that's why consistency is key. And that's why your behavior itself is the mechanism for subconscious transformation and ultimately your growth.
0: Man, this is so powerful. I love how you break this down. And I'm hoping that anyone that's listening to this is taking notes. And the key, guys, is integration, right? You can learn all this and hear all the information, but the key is to implement. How are you going to show up differently after this episode with Brian? Brian, before we get to the end of this, I just want to know how can we contribute more in life? Uh, Is there any sort of like one, two, three step that you would focus on? Because you've obviously got your for-purpose social impact uh, organization there. What would you say for someone that's like, cool, I want to start contributing a little bit. uh, What would it be? How can they do this?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, And that's kind of where my two worlds collide is, you know, you cannot give what you do not have, right? So the personal development gets you to a place of being able to contribute. And then I believe that, you know, truest fulfillment and meaning and significance and enjoyment. In life comes from giving what you have to others, right? There's, I'm not in a position to do this. I've heard at one point someone said, you know, someone who says that money can't buy happiness, they haven't given enough away, you know? And that's a really cool, uh, that's a really cool uh, expression that I've been learning about. Um, But yeah, so when it comes to making a difference, it's a very similar process because making a difference is just an activity that you do that's part of who you are. So, same thing, you've got to start small. And a lot of people, when it comes to making a difference, they feel very overwhelmed by the idea of oh what cause do i want to support is their overhead to program ratio correct is this actually something that um like is this actually something that's on my heart or is this just the easy thing in front of me there's a lot of these um kind of concerns that people come up with that prevent them from taking action and it's similar to the self sabotage i was describing because all of that prevents action right And that's where, when it comes to making a difference, you got to grow the habit. It's the same thing. You've got to grow that identity so that it becomes integrated in everything that you do. And that's where starting small, getting consistent, and finding things within your own interest level and within your means is a great place to start. You don't need to become the philanthropist overnight that donates 25% of your paycheck, but you can start... Um, finding small ways consistently to give back, whether it be by supporting friends, GoFundMe and birthday Facebook campaigns or by uh, finding you know a nonprofit that you want to work with. And instead of committing to a quarter of volunteering, you show up once and you're okay with that, right? It's just, it's starting small and kind of growing that habit because once you taste it, you'll want more of it. And then once you want more of it, you'll continue to solidify that identity that you know you want to be a charitable person and you become a charitable person. So start small that's everything.
0: Yeah. Solid, solid advice. Thank you so much, mate. And the last question we ask, and I, before we get into that, actually, I want to just get some details. I know that you you have an offer of something free to give away to the audience. It's the self-improvement scorecard. Maybe you can just give us a quick detail on what that is and then where we can go to be able to get access to that. Before sure.
1: Yeah. So that's actually kind of uh, one of the last points I made on the previous question, which is you know, one of the systems around consistently executing a certain behavior. So what I found is a self-improvement scorecard and having a clear uh, way of being able to track what behaviors you're doing to what quantity and how often um, is the truth detector to where your integrity is and where your intentions are. So something that's really effective with this scorecard is you get to know plainly, did you do something or did you not? And then you get to make adjustments around that based on your own performance. Um, So yeah, so what you can do is visit grow.selfimprovementdailytips.com slash A2S, and uh, you'll be able to get a scorecard and a video of me explaining how to use that scorecard so that you can become more intentional in life and you can get more consistent in the things that are most important to you because you have clear data around if you're doing these things or not. You know, a core improvement philosophy that I've heard and share is that you can't improve what you don't measure. And if you're relying on these kind of subjective, anecdotal evidence to guide your major decision making, then you're going to make some wrong decisions. So having some data and having this scorecard helps you to at least get a little more clear on what decisions you want to make and who you want to be so you can start reverse engineering that person.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Love this, Brian. Brian, last question. If you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like?
1: Well, I would say that you can become whoever you want to be. And that's not just some foofy thing that the people who have made it will tell you. There is a process to becoming who you want to be. And that process is doing the work to be consistent doing the things that create that person. There's actually something I'm doing right now that I think is an incredible example for people, which is I want to be on more stages. I want to be a keynote speaker. So what I'm doing is every single week for a year, I'm giving a practice keynote speech and it doesn't need to be good and it doesn't need to be long, but I'm doing it every single time and I'm growing that skill and growing that muscle. And I know one day I will be a keynote speaker. And if I can do that from the very beginning where I started, which was, you know, stuttering and murmuring and losing my train of thought, and then I'll be on stages in two, five, 10, 20 years, you can do whatever's on your mind too, as long as you commit to the process.